From the mouth breathers to the idiots, from TV to print, this is the Entitled Podcast Network, and this is Entitled Weekend. Welcome to Entitled Weekend, The End Times. Um, it's Shaq here with Bill, Rob, and our new buddy Kyle. And guys, I'm I'm just dejected. I mean, last week, of the mothership did a pod, and this pod is going to sound pretty much like that one, because there's really, I mean, there's really not much that we found out other than, you know, Seth Wickersham with another column, uh, Mike Reese with a column. I mean, it's just been an onslaught of firing of all firing firing of all cylinders on both sides, whether it's the Crafts or Bill Belichick. But for me, I said this a couple of months ago on the pod. I've said this on my Twitter that if the unthinkable happened, which has now happened, that Bill Belichick was fired, that's exactly what happened. I mean, I know the the, the term is being am- amicable mutual. Uh, parting of ways and amicable departure, whatever nice phrase that you want to use. He was fired. Um, I said that if he was, that I was done. I was done. I was done completely with the Patriots. And I don't want to say that because for 30 years, they've been a part of my life for Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays for 30 years. But for me, I guess it's easy to let go of things when you realize that <laughs> the people who are in charge of those things are not necessarily who you want. And the crafts this week have proven themselves to be that. And so, Bill, I'll start with you. Um, and in our show chat, we were kind of having a little bit of a uh, uh, back and forth about this. Where do you fall on this? You're literally right there. The stadium is a uh, stone's throw away from your place. So, you have probably the most inside this fool, uh, you know, probably definitely better than Albert Breer, who's way farther than you are. So um, what, do, what do you think about all of this? It's tough because I completely understand the people who are like, I'm done. Like, I get where you're coming from, Shaq. For me, I refuse to let Jonathan Kraft ruin the Patriots for me. And that's where I'm going to stand with it. I have grown to admire a lot of the players on the team. As bad as the situation is that made this happen, I like Gerard Mayo. I hope he does well. I'm not sure currently he's being put in the best position to do well, but I am not going to, you know, be giving up on the, you know, giving up my Patriots being an important part of my day-to-day because Jonathan Kraft wanted his vanity project at 60 years old. We talk, and, and like, just to be clear, we talk about Jonathan Kraft a lot as Bob Kraft's kid. And it's like, everyone's like, oh, he, you know, he's going to be taking over. He's, he is almost 60 years old. And he is acting right now like a petulant child. He, like, if the whole conversation was, which I think we're all pretty clear on, that Jonathan Kraft wanted his own guy and wanted some say in the football ops. If at you know the midway point of the year, they went to Bill and said, hey, Bill, listen, we're going to have a good draft pick. We're going to have a ton of cap space. It's we're, We know that you're only going to be coaching for a couple more years. This is the time for us to step away. And this is the time for us to revamp our, our roster. This is the time for you to revamp our coaching staff. We're going to use this as a re, as sort of, to use an MCU term, we're going to use this as a reboot. And that I, while I wouldn't agree with that, I could respect somebody who would be upfront and say that. What has been the most concerning part is the cloak and dagger and the media coverage alongside it, where it's like Ben Volan, oh, they took the Patriots back. They're the fucking owners. They never lost the Patriots. They're the fucking owners. So. This whole, like, scrappy underdog billionaires yelling Viva la Revolution is not something that I find appealing. It's not a good look. You know who does that? Loser franchises. 
loser franchises do that. And they can trip and fall into good coaches and a good couple of years. But what has made teams like the Steelers, as much as they're getting a little bit waxed right now in the playoff game, what has made teams like the Ravens, what has made teams like the 49ers in recent years strong is that business and ownership are distinctly separate from the football operations. Baltimore has always had a really strong GM and coach situation going on. The 49ers have a clear structure of leadership on the football side that is separate from business. As soon as you start to nettle the business side and the football op side, it gets increasingly difficult to be a successful long-term franchise. So am I concerned for the Patriots? Yeah. Am I concerned about where we're going right now with Jonathan Kraft clearly at the wheel? Yeah. But am I going to let Jonathan Kraft ruin my fandom, ruin the fact I can literally see the water tower from my house? No. I'm still going to enjoy my Patriots. I'm still going to be rooting for them because I like the players. I do like Mayo as a as a I like Mayo as a player. You know, obviously jury's out on how he'll be as a head coach, but I like his potential as a head coach. And so I'm hopeful, but it's cautious optimism. You know, so I, I like it's more wait and see. I think that they will immediately have success next year because the crafts will throw a bunch of money at a lot of problems and they'll have like a good year or two here. They'll see a bounce back. Even if that good year is eight or nine wins, they'll bounce back to an extent. I'm concerned about what the team looks like in three to five years when it's like, oh, see, the problem was Bill. And then they kick it a few years down the road and all of the issues of a franchise being led by business start to rear their ugly head. Uh, yeah, Rob, what do you got? <laughs> well, I'm I'm kind of in the in the in the middle, excuse me, of Shaq and Bill. Um, I'm with you, Bill. I'm not going to let Jonathan Kraft or an asshole owner, you know, sort of ruin the uh, you know my Patriots fandom. I've been a Patriots fan since I was a little kid, since the you know Grogan days and all that. So I'm not going to let Jonathan Kraft ruin that. But wh- I really what bothers me the most is how unnecessary all of the bullshit is, you know, and I don't mean the firing of bill. Like if you want to fire Belichick, you know what? It's your team. You do whatever you want, you know, but the smearing and the not, and we all know the media in Boston is not only incompetent, but they're lazy. They're not digging out these sources. They're not digging around and finding these stories. This shit is being fed to them. It's always fed to them. And so the, the, the logical conclusion is who benefits from these stories that are coming out? It's the crafts. So who's leaking this shit? It's probably Jonathan Kraft himself shooting text messages out there and becoming the anonymous source close to the team or whatever, however they're phrasing it. It's just this unnecessary smearing of Belichick on his way out the door that I'm really, really struggling with and really having a hard time with. Uh, you know, it's, this is a guy who, how much money has he made the crafts over the course of the last 24 years? It wasn't, I know everybody likes oh, to yes. say it was, you know, they're trying to say, oh, well, it was Brady, obviously. Now you can see it was, that's such a, as soon as I hear somebody make that argument, I immediately dismiss them as being the dumbest person in the world. You, you, you can't win with the, the level of consistency that the Patriots won with over the past 20 years without great players. But I think what people lose is, It was Bill Belichick who created the culture that allowed these great players to thrive for 20 years, that allowed them to come back every year and just flush the year before. There's a reason why, and start all over again. There's a reason why teams don't win two and three and four champ. You know, there's a reason why this hasn't been done, you know, in the history of professional sports, because it's not easy. You need the right guy at the helm. And Bill Belichick was the right guy at the helm. Now, if the Crafts think he's, you know, he's past his prime or they need a new voice in the room, that's fine. That's well within their province. But have a little fucking respect for the guy who who built the foundation that's allowed your team to become what it's become. And this trashing him on the way out the door. I mean, Jonathan Kraft is essentially he's he's Kendall Roy. You know, it was like that scene in Succession when Logan Roy looks at him. He says, you're not serious people. You know, Jonathan Kraft, you're not a serious person. You're a child. It's just that it's the smearing that gets that gets up my ass. Can you guys see me? Yep. Yep. You hear me? Yep. I can hear you. Yep. All right. Perfect. Yep. Well, I was just going to say that this is the GM apparently for all intents and purposes now because 
apparently this is their idea of not having a GM at the moment. They're searching for all other things except GM. And the only other GM is this guy. Look, oh man, this is a QB right here. Yep, they'll never rush in this. Green Ellis, the running back behind Brady, takes the handoff, tosses it back to Brady on a flea flicker. Oh. Flea flicker, look at Randy! He's wide open! Brady looking, throwing long and deep, and touchdown, Randy Moss! I mean, he's basically a fan. Jonathan Kraft. He's just, look at Randy! Throw to Randy! I mean, he's, he's, he's not he's, a serious person. He's a 98.5 <laughs> caller. He, he, he to 98.5 and listens to them. It, that's all I need to know to know th- that I don't want anybody who's on sports radio leading my, leading my team in any capacity. But that's just me. Uh, Kyle, what do you think? I mean, cause in almost 30 years, Bill has never had the opportunity to pick in the top five it, that he acted as, as de facto GM, especially in Cleveland. Never had that opportunity because he's had continuous success. I mean, and, but to have that snatched away from him, and like Rob said, and just the disrespect that has been said through his media lemmings, and how do you expect me, if I was him, to go back to uh, a, a, the place where you know, you just fired me, and now you want to put me in your Hall of Fame, perhaps? It makes no sense. But go ahead, Kyle. All right, so on to the fandom. I'll, I have been a fan my whole life, and I'll always be a fan. But I can't tell you that I wouldn't find it a bit amusing if <laughs> Belichick went somewhere and won a couple championships. The issue to me, like the rest of you guys, is the smear. It's, you know, he built that building. Like it or dislike it, Tom Brady is a big factor in it, yes. However, anybody involved in sports knows that there's a lot of talented guys that don't get opportunities. Sometimes that's based on draft status. Sometimes that's based on money. And people forget that at the time, Drew Bledsoe was the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. I love Drew Bledsoe. Going back, I snuck into the 96 championship game. Watched uh, Sean Jefferson which catch the winning touchdown. But, I, you know, it's hard for two reasons. We had five years of, oh, it's all Brady, and you've got a faction of the fans that went crazy towards Belichick. I, I've quite enjoyed trolling them back the same way as Belichick leaves and and – I don't know why I, I, I caught on to this yesterday, but that the Kraft Jones hatred and how Jerry Jones really dislikes Kraft, but also Kraft dislikes him because Jerry Jones is in the Hall of Fame and Robert Kraft wants in so bad. And and I, I think it was 96, 97, can't remember. But whenever Belichick got fired from Cleveland, Belichick actually met um, Jerry Jones at a ski resort and begged him to give him a chance. He says, I can coach. Let's just give me a chance. You ever get an opportunity. And um, I'm guessing that at some time in the past five years, he's checked in on that because obviously from everything that we've heard, the dysfunction has been going on for a decade now. And, and that's sad to hear. If you'd asked me in 1999, told me everything that was going to happen, I'd say I can die happy. I wouldn't think I'd be this mad this quick. But here we are, and, you know, I, I, I like Mayo. I hope he does well. Am I convinced? I, I think he could be okay. And I think you the, the first – I think we hit it in the first point is that they are going to have a better season next year just probability-wise, the injuries in and of themselves, there's got to be less than a 5% possibility that that amount of injuries can happen in a year again for a team. So, you know, then caveat in that you lost seven games by one score with a quarterback that can't play. Really, two quarterbacks that can't play. And and you didn't give the guy a chance to build your program. That opportunity to turn around like you said, in the top 10 for the first time, Gerard Mayo was the last top 10, and the only thing above that was Seymour at six, and what was that, 2001? Um, 
Washington. Now, I, I, I will also say I do not think any of these quarterbacks in this draft are generational. I think Nico from Tennessee is your next generational quarterback. So he's two years out already. And if you want to have a run like they want to have, you need one of those guys. Bill, you had a point to wrap around with this. So what you got? Yeah, so we're talking a lot about the smear, and, and I'm sure we'll come back around to like how what our rooting interests are for Belichick, what's next for Belichick and all that. But what um, we've talked a lot about the smear, and I think I – think we owe somebody an apology in a, in a sense. And that person is Stacy James because we have questioned if Stacy James is doing anything at all. And to be fair to Stacy James, they are doing exactly what the crafts have wanted them to do. And that is abundantly clear based on how Belichick has been treated going out the door, that it was not ever a problem if Belichick were being smeared on the radio. It was never a problem if anything were said. Did you notice the only thing that ever got pulled off of 98.5 was the Mac Jones hate. The Mac, that Mac Jones reader on like, oh, read a funny thing. And and it's, you know, that's the only thing that got pulled because Bob Kraft wanted to have the next Tom Brady relationship with Mac Jones. And so it's clear Stacey James was doing his job. And... So it's an apology in a sense, because like, yeah, they're a functional person doing their job. I just don't agree with the job they're being asked to do. You know, everybody needs to make a living. Somebody's got to do that role. I understand and respect that. Um, But yeah, my apologies to Stacey James for saying you don't do anything. I just don't agree with the premise of what you do. That's a great point, Bill. You're a thousand percent right. I always just assumed because I work in PR that Stacey James was just incompetent. And he must have nude photos of somebody somewhere, which is the only reason why he's allowed to keep his job. But it, you're right. It turns out he was told, you know, if they want to shit all over Belichick, let him do it because it'll help. It'll it'll make what we want to do when we finally have had enough easier. That's exactly what he was probably being told to do. So you're right. So our our, our problem, our mistake was thinking the crafts had the best interest of everybody in the franchise in mind. They didn't. They had the best interest of the crafts in mind. Just the, they wanted to make sure they were going to come out as the good guys in the end of this this tale. Such right. bullshit. It is. And I think just to, to, to tack on, it's – I think that 10 years ago, 15 years ago, might have been a different story. Might have been slightly different. This also does a lot to explain the um, – the what, whatever you call it, the deflate gating context, the Wells Report in context website. Because, again, that was golden boy Tom. It wasn't Belichick. But I think that Jonathan Kraft has been running the Patriots for the last, like, roughly 10 years. And Bob Kraft has been Mayor McCheese. He comes out, shakes hands, kisses babies, you know. Comes out slurring, slums out slurring his words. Right. Well, I mean, that doesn't matter as much when you're, you know, when you're reading sides with the porn star. So what, what does it matter? I mean, so he's been, you know, Mr. Magooing and Mayor McCheesing his way around for the last decade, and Jonathan's been running it. And the clear, and the clear mandate from Jonathan is undoing everything Belichick has, you know, like minimize Belichick's importance because when they leave, it has to be the Patriots are still a strong dynastic franchise, and it was the owners who crafted this model of the Patriot way, because otherwise. When Belichick leaves, so too does any credibility they've had since 2000. So uh, in a backwards way, I see it. I disagree with it. But I I think it's shady business. And there would have been better ways to assure yourself of a strong position. But clearly, that's been the mandate since Jonathan took over, which I think happened much earlier than people would ever expect. I also agree with you, Bill. I think Mayo is going to be a good coach. I think he's a smart guy. He was a really smart player. I think he's, you know, he's cut his chops. He's learned what he needs to learn. I think he's probably might have been a year or two shy of being really 100% ready to go. But I, I don't think he's, I don't think that's a bad choice. I don't disagree with, you know, oh, I, I do disagree with going from Belichick to Mayo because I'm a Belichick, you know, homer. But I, I understand what they were doing. I just fucking hate the way they did it. It pisses me off. It makes me just enraged. I wonder if any of you guys feel this way. It seems like there are a lot of conventional thoughts, especially on social media, that 
Gerard Mayo was the source of the leaks and the, the leaks that that Tommy Curran had and a lot of other of these media sycophants had over the last um, couple of weeks or maybe even months. Um, does him possibly being the source so that he could possibly, does that to speed up his dismissal so that he could get the job, does it make you guys think about Mayo differently? I mean, because if any of this, I don't know if any of this stuff is true because we've had, again, there's been so many articles that have popped up over the last few weeks. But if it is true, I mean, to think about you backstabbing the guy who drafted you, who groomed you, and then you just shiv him. I mean, it, it reminds me of the OJ song, Backstabbers. You smile in your face. They smile in your <laughs> face all the time. They want to take your place. The backstabbers. It. I mean, I mean, and to me, how does that fare with other future, future personnel decisions that apparently, like, as we're taping this podcast, they're going through these interviews right now with player, the people I have never heard of, but they're, they're going through these, these future personnel decisions. How does that fare? Or even decisions with players and other coaches even trusting him? Because if he's, if he's a source for these guys, I mean, let's face it, he was on quick slants with, with Tommy Curran for a long time. And so it's not far fetched, in my opinion, that Mayo had some type of influence with at least the NBC take side of things, but it's hard to think about because it makes sense to me. Shaq, see, I understand where you're going with this. And I think the circumstantial evidence does not look good for Mayo because he worked with those guys at at NBC takes Boston and all that sort of stuff. I just, I, I don't think he necessarily was the leak, but I do, I find it hard to believe he wasn't at least complicit by knowing about it to a certain degree. You know, like, I think he probably knew that Jonathan Kraft was the guy who was leaking this information. I'm convinced it was Jonathan Kraft. I don't necessarily think it was Mayo, because like I said before, like, you have to look at who benefits the most, so to speak, from this. And I think Mayo would have had the job anyway, in a year or two years or however long it was in his contract. I think the one who wanted to step on the gas here and get this moving faster was Jonathan Kraft. I think he's the one because he wanted to take his team back because he's such a fucking asshole. You know, I think he's the one who benefits the most from it. So, but I, it would really bother me a little bit if Mayo was aware of this, because I mean, to me, that's, it may not be quite as bad as stabbing the guy who mentored you in the back, but it's pretty goddamn close, you know, if he did know about it. I I have a hard time thinking he didn't know, but I think he might've known in a, a specific way. It's. I look at it as he might have been asked some sort of ambiguous questions by people that he trusts that were part of that, like, you know, that he worked with in the media or what have you for like little confirming little details or what have you. And they might have been like little molehills. But Jonathan is the one who was probably presenting the initial information that led to these follow up questions that then led to like confirmations that these things happened. As I do air quotes on a podcast, like that's going to help anybody understand. (laughs) Also, though, I think we'll know because I think, you know how Belichick is. He doesn't forget this shit. So I think we may not know now. We may not know for a few years. But when those two are in the same room or Belichick comes back to Foxborough to put on his red jacket, if he snubs Mayo or if if you could just tell by the look on his face that he does, you know, like the same thing with Eric Mangini. He knew Mangini was the one who fucked him. So he doesn't speak to him. He's dead to him. You know, that's the way Belichick rolls. But if he hugs Mayo, shakes his hand, all that sort of stuff, I think we'll know that it wasn't him. But if he does, if he snubs him, I think we'll know that he was definitely at least complicit. The other thing I would just add is I think it would I think that the contract offers to Belichick's sons are interesting notes, because that like, why would they even consider working if it was uh, like if Mayo was the one doing like a full on backstab? You know what I mean? So I think there's there, there, like, I get where you're coming from with it, Shaq. I, I don't, you know, obviously we won't know. And I think Rob, it's a great point that we'll know in a few years, but I, I just have a hard time thinking they'd even be weighing those options and not just say, go pound sand. I'm going to follow my dad to wherever he goes. Kyle, don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, I hope it's not Mayo. And even if it's, you know, how to put it, even if it, he, he did it without, his, without full knowledge of what's going on, I kind of lean towards the front office too 
But I, I, I honestly think that they, they're, they're sneaky. They're, they're, they're worth billions of dollars. They went to a third party to cover their own tracks. So instead of directly from Jonathan Kraft, it's from somebody that worked for Jonathan Kraft would talk to, or the, you know, the Wells lady and con, uh, Wells report and context lady, maybe they did an interview with and all of that good stuff. But, it, it, you know, I hope not. I would football is a ruthless business and particularly at the pro level, there's only 32 jobs. And I understand that, that everybody has to be ruthless to get where they want to go. Would it drop my respect for him a little bit if it was him? Yeah, probably. But you know, we don't operate in that world. Um, I'm a big fan of loyalty. Do I think this year went this well? No. I think that it was a complete Murphy's Law type of season. They, I do not believe that in the next two to three years, no matter what they did, they are a Super Bowl contender. However, I think what they could have been with a quick hard reset is a playoff type contender where you get into the playoffs. And you might win a game. You might not win a game. But you're in the middle of the pack, which for an NFL owner is perfect because it keeps the seats filled. You know, Bill and Kyle, you guys live in the greater New England area, so you're able to hear it from the horse's mouth immediately. Rob and I, we are outside of the New England area, um, so we kind of get to hear conversations about how the other half, again, there there I am doing the quotes too, we get to hear (laughs) about the other half and how they feel about their fan bases. And I think it's hard to appreciate the culture that the Patriots had for 23, 24 years when you're local, not saying that you guys don't, but I think that there are a lot of casual fans who don't appreciate how hard it was to stay consistently good for as long as the Patriots were. I mean, sure, you might be able to remember the Pete Carroll years and realize that, although you got a Hall of Fame coach in Pete Carroll, probably, that the foundation isn't necessarily good. But when you should have kicked McPherson's hand. Oh, right. Well, we all don't have that experience either. <laughs> but when you spend a quarter of your life seeing only one thing, and that thing being greatness from a quarterback perspective and from a coaching perspective, it's hard to imagine how bad the fall from that consistency might possibly be. One of the things I'm worried about is the undrafted free agents. And the guys that, you know, you see that get that Bill Belichick always used to pick up that were unheralded. Like undrafted corners turn into starters, like JC Jackson and Jonathan Jones, even Malcolm Butler and hell, even Miles Bryant in a way. I mean, or maybe these edge players who were borderline special teamers on their old team turn into key contributors on Super Bowl defenses, like Mike Vrabel, uh, Rob Ninkovich, Kyle Van Noy. And even though he wasn't on a team that went to the Super Bowl, Jelani Tavai, to a smaller extent, and his development has been something that not a lot of people talk about, but I think it's been tremendous. Um, there's no better teacher of the game than Bill Belichick. And I think you're going to see a lot fewer of those long shot type of stories, at least at those positions. Maybe uh, Gerard Mayo will be able to pounce on those defensive type players because he's a defensive player. but. On the positive, perhaps wide receivers will get that type of development too. So it I, for me, I'm just still wavering on whether or not I want to. I'm, I'm talking to my, I'm talking to myself, trying to hype myself up, thinking so maybe I should still follow the development of the Patriots. But it's still, I keep going back to Kraft and just the media and how terrible it is. So for me, let's go. Let's talk about Bill Belichick and. What do you think, first of all, where do you think he's going to go? And secondly, the first thing I want to say is I'm happy for him. And you know why I'm happy for him? Is because wherever he goes, whatever market it is, he's not going to have to deal with the Boston media. And that (laughs) makes me the most happy because he doesn't have to deal with the bullshit Ben Volans of the world, the Greg Bedards. I mean, the list goes on and on. He'll be be happy wherever. And I know he's going to get at least football questions from football reporters. But where do you think he's going to go, Rob? I think that, I mean, everybody was talking about the Cowboys. I think that's a possibility. But 
I also think that Los Angeles seems to be interviewing coaches left and right. So I think that they could come in and do something pretty crazy. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I think the Cowboys was a fun story yesterday during that Packers Cowboys game. And it's certainly <laughs> a possibility, you know, he'd have the opportunity to go in behind Parcells and kind of accomplish what Parcells couldn't once again, like he did in new England, you know, that was, I don't know. I, I know he and Parcells are sort of friends, so I don't know how much of a motivation that would be. Um, secretly I am rooting for Philly to lose today and Sirianni <laughs> to get fired and him to wind up here so that I can go to his games and watch him coach. Um, the uh, the Philly oh, fans. Oh, Nick Sirianni pisses me off. Oh god. Oh my god. I'll tell you what. You know, you should. You think uh, the Boston media is bad. The Philly media has turned on Sirianni, and they've turned on the Eagles um, to the point where the stories that are coming out here today are just insanity. Just the whole Sirianni lost the team. You know, Jalen Hurts is the next Carson Wentz. You know, that all that thing. And this, <laughs> mind you, what cracks me up about this is we are about four months, three or four months out from me turning on the radio here one morning and hearing the hosts of the morning show say Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts are the next Brady and Belichick. And I'll tell you, life comes at you fast, Philly, because now they want Sirianni out and Jalen Hurts is Carson Wentz. So um, I would like to see Belichick go to a team that he can instantly win because he's 72, 73 years old, doesn't have a lot of time left. I think if he goes to Atlanta, you know, I th I don't think he gets a whole lot accomplished there. That team just, you know, they're just not very good. They're in a shitty division. They're not very good. Part of me would like to see Pittsburgh come back and beat Buffalo and have him go to Buffalo and shove it up the craft's ass twice a year. That would be nice. That's probably not going to happen. So I would say he's either, uh, uh, I almost said San Diego, either the Chargers, but it sounds like they looked at Harbaugh today, the Cowboys, hopefully the Eagles. Um, but I, I guess right now the leaders in the clubhouse are Dallas and Atlanta, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I, I'm rooting for Dallas for the, for the two reasons, the, the irritation to the crafts because of the, again, the hatred between him and Jones. And two, it is a very possible real reality that if they go, you know, 13 or 12 wins next year, that they're, they're coming into new England next year with him setting the wins record in new England with another team, which would crack me up to no end. Yep, I'm, uh, I am, you know, certainly in agreement on the shove it up their ass route with the Cowboys. I also am really excited by um, Micah Parsons under Bill Belichick. That is a, you know, he's not Lawrence Taylor. Nobody is Lawrence Taylor. But that is a Lawrence Taylor level early career talent that under Bill Belichick could be unlocked in a ridiculous way. Like good defensive coordinators are making him look super special. And that isn't even the full strength Cowboys defense we saw this year because Trayvon Diggs went down early. So they've got Diggs, they've got Bland, they've got Gilmore, they've you know, they've got most of this team coming back next year. That is a scary team. However, my number one choice, and Rob will be thrilled, is fly, Eagles, fly. Let's get them to Philly for a multitude of reasons. One, just they, he knows how to handle an aggressive sports media. He's done it for a number of years. He would handle that very well. It seems, you know, so it, it wouldn't matter what's happening in the media because he wouldn't respond to it. Then you've got older players like Jason Kelsey, who may be looking at retirement. And if you listen to some of the clips of their pod, the Kelsey brothers were overwhelmingly positive about Bill Belichick. If Belichick came in, I bet Kelsey plays another year for them, which is something that would be appealing to them. If it's like, hey, if we go get Belichick, are you going to stick around for a year? And I think Jason Kelsey would. Additionally, the idea of Lane Johnson having to play for Bill Belichick after the fun comments fills my heart with such glee that I could not possibly drink another drop of the joy that I would take in Lane Johnson having to play under Bill Belichick. I will say, I think he stays East Coast. So I think it's, I think the Cowboys are the favorites. You know, that's about as, it's a, the farthest West he'd go. But I'd say Atlanta is next. And then if Philly loses, they obviously shoot up the rankings here. But I don't think he goes to the West Coast. However, if he went to the Los Angeles Chargers and benched Asante Samuel's son, that would also fill me <laughs> with glee. 
So, I mean, there is layer on layer of storyline because of Bill Belichick's epic history in the NFL. He's coached the dads of several of these players. He's got the Bill Parcells background. He's got the, you know, shove it up, you know, the shove it up your backside mentality with it. Also, Jerry Jones, I understand it might be like, oh, well, he's going from a over fiddling owner at this point to an over fiddling owner. But Jerry Jones would understand what he's got in Bill Belichick. And additionally, Jerry Jones is a businessman. Imagine being able to put on a t-shirt, Bill Belichick, all-time winningest head coach, and selling it with a Dallas Cowboys star behind it. That is something that will be very appealing to Jerry Jones, the businessman. He could put Jimmy Johnson on there. He could put Tom Landry on there, and he could have a shirt of the all-time great Cowboys coaches with Belichick at the front of it. And God forbid they win a Super Bowl, he could run a, par- a weekly parade all year long for all he cared. He would just do, like, this is, that is the location that makes the most sense to me. But my heart wants it to be Philadelphia so bad. If for nothing else, for Lane Johnson to just have so much fun under Bill Belichick. I definitely wouldn't mind Philly. I'll say that. Like Philly is, they're the least, um, Least, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, shoot. <laughs> Least annoying, I guess. Maybe that's the word. Um, they, 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 I don't mind Eagles fans. I mean, they, I mean, the last time the Patriots faced them was in the Super Bowl. So that's, you know, that's probably the only time that we have to deal with that, you know, disgusting place, part of the world. Sorry, Bob. But I'll tell you what, what, what? cosmic rabbit hole have we fallen through when Philly fans are the least annoying <laughs> the Phil the Philly situation is the least annoying that's a pretty you know, shitty pretty no, shitty no, list when Philly's no, no, no. the top here's the thing <laughs> you got here's some batteries the, handy <laughs> here's the thing I want the most annoying fan base possible to be behind Bill Belichick when he wins another Super Bowl so that no one can escape it that's Philly fans. That's Dallas fans. If one of these, like, just, like, absolutely abysmal fan bases that, like, ravage society wins with Bill Belichick, <laughs> they will not let anybody hear the end of it. They will not, they will, there will not be a moment of peace for anybody in this world. And therefore, I want an annoying fan base. I want Philly. I want people hucking batteries with Bill Belichick's face on it. <laughs> I... I, I want Dallas Cowboys fans being a, just how about them Cowboys all over Twitter until their faces explode. I want it so bad to be the most annoying fan base possible so that everyone who said Bill Belichick was cooked has to sit there and like stew in the society that exists with Bill Belichick being on one of those teams and taking them on a deep run while the play, while the Patriots are rebuilding. Well, the imagine, bonus, imagine, oh, sorry. That's no, I was, was going to say, imagine Bob Kraft's face if Belichick breaks Shula's record with the Cowboys and Jerry Jones gets to call him and be like, hey, be- hey Bob, how's my ass taste? <laughs> yeah, well, well, he's, he's wanted to be the cool – he's wanted to be at the cool kids' table for years, and he's like, oh, Belichick is preventing that. Now Jerry Jones, who he thinks is at the cool kids' table, could hire Bill Belichick and still be at the cool kids' table, and Bob Kraft just sitting by himself, you know, eating his Lunchable. Well, we're also missing the point with Dallas that Dallas can tie New England for Super Bowl wins. Oh, I, right. I forgot about that. You're I right. That would that. be great. Oh, no. Oh, no. Bobby. Robert. Hey, and Jonathan. <laughs> so, so, well, back to your, back to your other point there. It, it's uh, Jones is, from what I understand, in football circles, people do not think of Robert Kraft as a football person. He's a business owner. Uh, Jones, for example, was a captain at the University of Arkansas playing football. He is thought of as a football person. And that has tweaked Robert Kraft to no end for a number of years. And uh, I, I've heard tell here and there that um, that Belichick used to sit with Jerry Jones just to irritate Bob Kraft during the, the winter meetings. And and you know, I, everybody forgets how petty all parties are. Like Brady leaving, okay? Sometimes athletic people get kind of stale where they are. They've, they've won so much, 
and, 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 you know, looking back on it at the end, I don't like how it's happened, but, but it might've been time for the band to break up. And it might've been a couple of years ago for everybody's best, you know, case scenario. One of the things that I admire most about Belichick is he always tries to do the job as well as he can do it. And, and there's no quit in him. And he coaches everybody a thousand percent the whole time as a guy that's coached sports. Another thing that, that always tickled me was that, you know, some people complain like, well, oh, it's Giselle, you got to treat my husband different or whatever it was. He treats the guy from the front of the locker room to the guy that's cleaning the floors exactly the same. And, and that's rare in this world that we live in today. I, I find it funny, though, that uh, people were like, oh, with, with Brady, oh, well, he can go wherever he wants and he can do that. But, but Belichick, now that he's free, you know, people were like, well, well, well if he gets cut, then, well, he, he has to stay. And there, there are a lot of people who are saying, oh, well, Belichick usually cuts people a year too early just to, just to make – or not a year too late. But they're saying now that Kraft is saying the same thing. Oh, well, he, they're only doing – Kraft is only doing what Bill Belichick usually does. Oh, so Kraft now is smart. Like, they have, like, a lot of – like, he has his head together. Not, not in the Jack, last three years, I can say that. Jack, they – um we've run into some people on the internet that it's um, before and they wanted him fired and he was going to get fired. Nobody was going to want him. And, and now if yeah. he goes to Dallas, now if he goes to Dallas, the offense is already in place and it's not fair. And, and, and he wouldn't prove anything to me. It's like, come on, man, what are you right. talking yes. about? I did see that. I did see that. Right. He, he has to prove to me that he can win with a bad team. Who says? <laughs> Who Brady didn't have to do that. Excuse my language, but who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's funny. Uh, Bill, I want to go to you because our mission here at Entitled Weekend, um, if nothing else, is to hashtag make football thick again. And <laughs> what, one thing that worries me about the offseason is there are free agents on the team, but I feel like if the Patriots don't sign Mike Owenu, they're going to be in bad shape because, I mean, you got – our boy Sidey Sal, he did extremely well for a rookie. And Cole Strange is way better than a lot of people make out. You know, you've heard so much crap. Oh, um, Sean McVay laughed, which, again, he said he didn't. So, I mean, what are we doing? He said he laughed at the pick. He did not laugh at Cole Strange himself. But, again, once the conventional wisdom gets out there, you can't correct it. Um, he laughed that he thought he could have been there in the fourth round. Right. And that's why, that's the reason he laughed. It wasn't because of the person. It wasn't because of the player. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, you have the younger David, the younger um, Andrews, who looked pretty good. He's a load, and he's not easily pushed back. David Andrews said he's coming back in a press conference. Um, I think the trickiest part is, with this offensive line this offseason, is there aren't a lot of good free agents, and they probably need both a starting left tackle and a quality swing guy even assuming they re-sign Wenu to play right tackle, which means if you're hoping to get a new quarterback, whoever that is, whether it be Phoenix or whoever, you're definitely going to use your first and second round picks on those specifically and hoping, you know, crossing your fingers that both of those work out. It's not going to be easy to address both in one draft with at least getting a little bit lucky. Yeah, it's, it's a challenge. Um, looking at it, City, so um, I would love for Andrews to be back, but um, Shaq, I know that he said that, like, he's like, I've got football left in me, but he also said, I'm going to go ride my tractor for a bit. I'm going to go do, so, like, and I'm going to decide where I'm at. So he's not 100%. Um, but, you know, Cole Strange and Sal have really made it so we're locked in with our guards for next year, which is fine. As long, And I really hope that Andrews is back. Um, but on Wayne you, I would certainly resign. If you don't, I think it's a clear indication that what you're planning to do is use that first round draft pick on an offensive tackle, one of the top two offensive tackles. People will hate it, but it would tell me that's what they're looking to do. I also look at some of those cap strapped franchises right now, like the Saints. And is it Raskowski 
Um, the tackle, the, he's 30. He's a really solid right tackle for the Saints. He's due $17 million the next couple of years. For somebody of his caliber, reasonable price tag. He could be had cheap because the Saints are $71 million over the cap entering next year and have difficult and don't have a lot of restructuring left they can do. So they're going to have to unload some players. I think that's a route that they could take to bring in some veteran depth there if they don't like the offensive lineman on the market. Um, I think that when you're what you're looking at for the offseason is really needing to solidify a couple of positions. Um, and I would say offensive line to me is always going to be the priority before the quarterback because the quarterback can't develop if they don't have a strong offensive line in front of them. It's not about quarterback being less important. Quarterback is more important than offensive line. But if your offensive line isn't good enough, the quarterback can't develop. And for what, you know, injuries, coaching, whatever you want to say, that was a factor in where Mac Jones is, is today because he would, did not have the protection at different points in front of him that would have helped him build some confidence that he needed. It's not the offensive line's fault that he has the self-confidence of, you know, of a minnow, but it's certainly something that is, you know, to be said for being able to develop and build that quarterback that you want for the future. So I would, you know, say if you're going to draft that quarterback, bring in a veteran, have the veteran play behind the line if you're worried about that line, and let that rookie learn for the better part of that first year. So I, I really think that it all starts from what they do with that offensive line. If they sign, re-sign on Winnie, I expect they draft a quarterback. They probably sign a veteran quarterback, but let that veteran quarterback start out the year. And that allows your offensive line to get into a rhythm. It lets you make that make football. It lets you make football thick again. And then once you are confident that that offensive line is gelled, it's where it needs to be. And you're seeing what you need to see from everyone on the field. That's when you start bringing in that quarterback so that they can build some success in the remaining weeks of the season. Continuity is the most important thing on an offensive line too. I, I think as much as people want the big talent and this, that, and the next thing, the guys pulling the sled together, as they used to say, um, is more important than the talent level. And the issue you have in the draft, in my eyes anyway, is that the way the college and high school game is played these days, it is the second hardest translation of pro football behind quarterback. The guy can dominate in college. And then because he's got an offense that, you know, you you see these uh, double bubble screens and stuff like that where they're pulling out, can you anchor down and drive a guy on a zone block? Or can you clear a guy out on a track play? They're not really asked that to do that in today's college system. And, and it, it, it's it's almost as dangerous as quarterback, which I don't remember exactly the hit rate in quarterback, but it, it's extremely low. And everybody talks about arm talent. Jeff George had the best damn arm talent I've ever seen, and he stunk. But, you know, it, it's – I think I was a proponent of bringing in a um, – Veteran quarterback, drafting a guy, probably trading back if you if you had Belichick now, trading back, filling out the offensive line, drafting a quarterback late with good traits, and please don't don't this guy is not the specific guy or two of them. And my my mind went to Ewers from Texas and Rattler from wherever the hell the last college he went to as a guy that's a long term project that you're probably not going to have as a starting quarterback five years from now and, and um I, you could win some games in an ugly fashion anyway and i also think they're a victim of a division that is set up to specifically beat the patriots it's been like that for whatever 10 years now the jets the bills and the dolphins have all, all designed their team to beat the patriots it wasn't to go win a Super Bowl. It was we need to knock these guys off the mountaintop. So they have some matchup issues there. They're a problem for what the Patriots have. And can you fix it? Yeah, yeah, probably. I expect 
But if you tell me in five years they've known better than 500 at any point, you, you failed. Yeah, and to me, I think going back to uh, going back to Bill Belichick, I think it's really important to realize that this guy that we that we've all lost as a coach for our Patriots. Um, this guy was a coach who went with his instincts and didn't just go by conventional wisdom or didn't just go by the book. I mean, there are so many examples that I can think of um, from fourth and two, which was a first down. I don't care what anyone says. It was a first down. Kevin Falk got past it. And I will say that too, until I die in my grave. Um, but then I guess the yep. simplest one is choosing Brady versus Bledsoe in the face of intense criticism ultimately led to the dynasty. If that decision didn't work out, who knows what happens? I mean, then you have the intentional safety in Denver, you know, not calling a timeout so that Seattle can get organized in Super Bowl 49. I mean, there's just so many decisions where, and that's what a coach is. I mean, you got the coach drips of the world, which by the way, ha ha, bye, bye, Mike McDaniel. Um, you have those cultures of the world who are so interested in the outside. And look, I was wrong about uh, Dan Campbell. Congratulations to him. I was wrong about him. I thought that that type of coaching was <laughs> uh, past its expiration date, but clearly it isn't. Clearly something that he he does resonates with that team. And again, I I hope the best for Gerard Mayo, but for me, going back to what we started talking about, it's just my energy for the Patriots is over the last couple of weeks has just waned. And I don't know, maybe I'll get it back, but it doesn't seem like it's, it's going to come back. And especially when that announcement comes that Bill Belichick, whatever team he's going to be on, because according to the press conference, he's going to be on a team. That's what it seemed like from both parties that said that. So when that comes, I think my energies will be focused on that team. And I hate saying that, but yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we have some time. I'm glad yeah. we have some time like in between now. And I'm, I'm glad this didn't happen like two weeks before training camp's going to, you know, oh, like yeah. we have the whole off season. We got the Celtics, we got the Bruins, we got, you know, like we can just kind of decompress and just, you know, almost check out for a little while and then kind of like kind of process the emotions. Cause I mean, I know it sounds goofy to like, you know, to other people that don't understand, but it is emotional, you know, like Bill Belichick was a big part of my life for, you know, 24 years, you know, that's half my life almost, you know? So it's, it's emotional for me and I need time to kind of process that and almost grieve it in a way and then sort of see where I'm at and then kind of move on. But I'm glad we have a little bit of time before we have to sort of go down that road. Yeah. It is like a loss. You're right. It's, it's almost like a, something that you have to realize what's happened and then accept it. And then, eventually yeah again eventually i'll move on but i don't know when i will <laughs> yeah i mean i'll say you know 24 years i was 12 13 years old when bill belichick took over as head coach of the patriots so like core memories have been established within that time and so certainly looking at it you know i certainly got emotional during his presser because he talked at length about the fans and at one point, he specifically mentioned, like, bumping into them at the grocery store. And I actually did bump into Bill Belichick at the grocery store. Um, I grew up um, back in the day in Rockland, Mass. And so the closest, like, Whole Foods to us was Hingham. And so I was in the Whole Foods in Hingham, Mass. And anybody who knew, knows Belichick knows that's where he was in that time, you know, in that time frame early, you know, early in his career. I was like a 16-year-old kid at that point, 16, 17. And I saw him in the like the produce aisle and he, he did like acknowledge and chat a little bit. Like, you know, so when he's talking about fans that he met in the grocery store, that was me. Like I was the young fan he met in the grocery store. And like that's so when he speaks about that meaning something to him, it speaks to the connection to the community, the whole nine. That is something. And I think that's why above all else, why Belichick would decide to like go along with the amicable breakup thing and the whole way this all played out. 
Um, I think that's a big part of it. I'm sure there's also some salary implications and how things get paid out versus our being an offset that might have played a role as well. Um, but, you know, it's it's definitely something that you need time to process and definitely something that we'll, we'll all need to, like, look at and move forward. And I think that as we move into the offseason for football on whole, talking through some of, like, the best moments of that Patriots dynasty is something I would really like to do. Um, but you know, it's right now it's more of a time for gratitude than anything else. And it's something that, you know, he gave us, you know, more than a third of his life at this point right now, he gave us more than a third of his life. And uh, we talk a lot about players being more than players, they're people. And I think that we need to give the same grace to Belichick as well. Belichick is given a third of his life to this team and the New England community. And, you know, so nothing but tremendous gratitude for for me. I will be actively rooting for wherever he goes next to see him be successful because I think he's a really great guy, a really great football coach, and he deserves it. Um, will he be? There's no guarantees of anything. But I, I certainly hope he is, and I root for him, and I wish him well because he gave so much to this community, gave so much to a really young guy like me and a lot of joy and core memories he got a super bowl championship really he got three super bowl championships for my father before my father passed away like these are all things that matter and so i will be rooting for him wherever he goes it's not you know f the pats go belichick like some of the brady people were for me but it's rooting for him to be successful and hoping that the patriots are able to land on their feet in the aftermath of the brady belichick era I think people often, when you when you look at Belichick, conflate the character on TV and the individual himself. Because if you you talk to anybody that's interacted with him, they they'll tell you he's funny, he's he's witty, and this and that. And the gruff stuff on TV is what he plays apart for the camera, and it's and it's who he has to be to be the general, essentially, right? You're as a head coach, you're a general of a of an army, and and you're you have to his even killed nature on the sideline and yeah some of that went a little way this year where you know things didn't break their way there were calls that they didn't like and and we didn't like him either by the way um because he was fighting for his job but the individual himself from anybody you talk to is is all class and nothing but and 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 i'm the same way I'm always going to root for the Patriots, but it doesn't mean I don't think it would be funny if he doesn't win first. Because, you know, like cosmic karma, so so they say, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, as far as this podcast is going, um, I, 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 obviously this is the two and a half year mark of this podcast. I um, started in November 2021, and I feel as though um, – like I said, I, the energy is gone, but I feel like I can grieve it better if we start shifting towards talking about yeah, – and people are going to say, well, you're talking about the past. You're going to talk about the future. Well, right now, there's not much of a future that I can legitimately <laughs> clamp onto. So I feel as though the past and re, re, rewinding things and reminiscing about what – Bill Belichick exactly means to this team and all the players who've played for this team. I feel like that will bode well towards the transition. So I think if we ever do another episode um, in the near future, I think that will be what we do is talking about, you know, our favorite, our favorite uh, memories, games, et cetera, et cetera, because I think that is the best way to get over something is to relive it and, and go through the memories so that you, you're not as, bitter i think the last couple of weeks i've been pretty bitter and i still am <laughs> when it comes to certain characters but i think that that will help me and i'm certain a few people who are listening to move on and wait for that time for when that team is announced that will belichick chooses so until that time um that's gonna do it for titled weekend uh, you can email us at entitledweekend at gmail.com um, on Elon Musk's social media machine, um, Kyle is at Kyle Gunzinger. 
Bill is at the Fib 0624. Rob is at Hoodie Supremus. I'm at Atomic Dog 5150. And at Entitled Weekend, um, the, 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 that Twitter machine, I think, is just ridiculous. So, um, <laughs> and now you're seeing a Thanks whole for lot having of these... me. Oh, no problem, Kyle. Thanks for coming. And uh, until next time, uh, turn off your radios, turn off your televisions, and turn off your phones. For 16 years, ever since the Hiss case, you've had a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, you, you, you've, you've had an opportunity to, uh, to attack me, and I think I've given as good as I've taken. I leave you gentlemen now, <laughs> and uh, you will now write it, you will interpret it, that's your right. But as I leave you, uh, I want you to know, <laughs> just think how much you're going to be missing. You don't have Nixon to kick around anymore. Because, gentlemen, this is my last press conference. And I hope that what I have said today will at least make television, radio, the press recognize that they have a right and a responsibility. If they're against a candidate, give him the shaft. But also recognize if they give him the shaft, put one lonely reporter on the campaign who will report what the candidate says now and then. Thank you, gentlemen, and good day.